Another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and joining me today are... M and Annie. Thank you. Glad you guys are here. Earlier in this year, we did a sustainment, uh, community sustainment, I guess, open house, where uh, it was a, something I felt very passionate about, where we got a lot of different people in. We talked, what does it mean to have a sustainable community? And how can we work together so that when hard times come, you know, we'll, we'll be a good support. So it's, it's not good to, you know, try to be that lone person. I've, I've got my little hidey hole or I'm in my retreat and it's me and I've got my SKS and I've got maybe a, a case of MREs and I'm going to, I'm going to wait it out. That's, that's really not a success plan. That is, that's not sustainable at all. It's really finding good people and working together and helping to build and strengthen our communities. That's in my opinion, that that's the real answer. So you two, and you had had a third. Heather, Heather, mm-hmm. yeah, Heather. Um, you, you three, you presented uh, how to buy locally, and that was one of the the most uh, popular, I guess, of all the the breakout sessions that we had during that that event. So I wanted to invite you guys on. We invited Heather; she couldn't make it, but I wanted you guys to to talk about that experience, talk about what you found, and then share some of that information. Um, so if you could, I guess at first, just tell us a little bit about yourselves and then we can get into the topic at hand. Okay. I'll start. Um, I am a mother first and foremost. That's the first thing I think of when people ask me to tell about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I homeschool and I try to be as self-reliant as possible. I think that pretty much those three things define me right now. Okay. I'm also a mom and a homeschooler, and um, yeah, I just I love uh, I love food. <laughs> so this was a fun uh, fun topic for me. To nice to get part of. So when we were asking for volunteers and handing out assignments, uh, how did you? Because I honestly forget. Was it because like, oh, you're my sister, you're gonna do this? Was it was it something like that? It, or? it was uh-huh. for me, but I have to say I'm I was really grateful for the chance because I think. Um, anytime it it put me in the position where I had to ask myself why I do things that I do. So why buy locally? It makes you think of the whys that you do things. And I think it's important to revisit that in lots of things in your life, not just this particular topic. So I, yeah, I was really grateful for the chance because I kind of had to dig into that. And I think that helps you reevaluate the decisions you're making. And so it was a good opportunity for me, I think. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that my husband volunteered me for the role, um, <laughs> which was fine. I'm I'm happy to have done it, and um, right there with them, it was it was good to have to think about the the whys behind him, yeah. what I'm doing. Okay. Well, I guess before I ask you guys to start presenting some of your information and talking about it, uh, I and my family we've lived in this basic area now since I left active duty uh, for about ten years now. And first we lived in Lancaster County, then Lebanon County, and now we're, we live over in, in Carlisle, but it's still this same general area. And buying locally is one of the things that we have been very big on. And uh, we've done a lot of research, done a lot of uh, sourcing 
Um, and we're, we're very comfortable where we're at now. But with the Ben Franklin range now real and with more and more classes and more and more stuff going on out there, we're in the process of, of moving. So we are, I mean, now that we're moving three hours away and it's a completely different area or region of Pennsylvania, we, uh, we as an Abby and I, we're now just beginning this whole process again where we're going to have to find uh, the local resources. And there aren't nearly as many Amish-owned or Mennonite-owned nice little stores <laughs> out there compared to, to here in this area. So it's definitely going to be a challenge, but it's, it's one that, you know, that we're, we're looking forward to. So with that, uh, ladies, however you'd like to begin. I think just with to kind of tack on to what you were yeah. saying, you're moving. And so where do you start? How yeah. do you start for people who haven't thought about this before? You know, okay, great. Buying locally, it's better, better for, you know, so many reasons. But how do I, how do I start? And yeah. I think the easiest place to start is to find your local farmer's market. And you can branch out from there as you get to know people and know the area. But a local farmer's market everywhere has something uh, that's similar to that. Sometimes they're open air. Sometimes it's, you know, a set up in a building. Um, but that's the best place to start because everybody's already there. And then you can branch from there. Okay. You know, and, and talking to people, your, your neighbors. And as you get to know people, they, they have the, the inside information if they've been there for any kind of time. So that's, I agree to add to that. I think, um, I just want to, I don't know, it's hard to think of it from like beginning standpoint, but when you think of that, I think the other thing to remember is a lot of times people like us who like to be self-reliant or trying, you know, to predict or prepare for possible future um, things, we tend to be very private. We tend to withdraw, you know, we don't want to just put things out there, but I think that um, it is an important aspect to be willing to get to know people to reach out, to build relationships with people. You don't have to agree with everything, um, but you can still work together. So I think that if that's something you struggle with, that would be my first place to start is to get over it, work through it. But um, for me, where I started was just driving around my local area. So it wasn't necessarily a farmer's market, but there are, I mean, they're more home-based um, products, people that have farms and they have small little um, produce stands and then the Mennonite stores near me I've been shopping there and so I've built relationships with the people that work there let's let's talk about one of those relationships <laughs> yeah so what's the name of the store Brew Baker's bargains okay and where are they located um, in Lebanon County okay in that area so what who are they again who are they yeah what's the name of the company again the, the store Brew Baker's bargains yes so I'm purposely having her say that a couple of times <laughs> because they are awesome. Yes. And because of the relationship that my sister has built with them, they were the ones that when we did the, the bulk buy for wheat, they're the ones that we went through. They are a great small family owned Mennonite owned uh, mm -hmm. uh, grocery store. And when we asked if they could get some bulk wheat, uh, his supplier said that he was, they didn't have any, there's no wheat. Mm -hmm. So then he went to, to source it to a couple of other suppliers. And he finally got one that guaranteed him, yes, you can get 50 bags. So as soon as he guaranteed us, yes, we can get 50 bags. That's when we put it out. 
hey, we have 50 bags of, of, of 50 pounds of wheat. This is the cost. We didn't, you know, we didn't make anything off. That wasn't the point. The point was to to get some bulk wheat out there because um, I know that's something that a lot of you wanted. So then after we sold out the 50 bags worth, which that was just barely, over, I think, over 24 hours, and it was all uh, accounted for, um, and then we paid them. And then the week prior to when it was going to be delivered, that source for him said, oh, no, they actually shipped it. I think they only shipped 15 bags of the 50 and said, that's it. That's all there is. You can't get any more. And so this guy, not charging us, he didn't charge us a thing. He no. gave it to us at his cost. He then went out of his way to source and to make sure, and I know he, he worked hard to make sure that we could get those, those 50 uh, bags to fill our order, knowing that it was going, that we weren't making anything off of it, knowing that we were getting it out to, to you guys. So that then on that, that Saturday at LCPCPC, people could pick it up and people, they did use the dry ice method there. And, and some of them uh, stored it and prepared it. But that's just an example of somebody local that we have built a relationship with who then uh, when it came time to it, he definitely went out of his way he didn't need to do any of that Mm-mm. and uh, went out of his way for, for all of us. That comes down to the relationship. Yeah. It's, it's all about building that rapport with someone and, you know, it's going back to the same guy over and over and over mm-hmm. and, and learning names and, you know, um, I think about, I, I joke, I call him my chicken guy at the market, uh-huh. you know. He started with my son when he was eight going, how old are you, man? As soon as you turn 13, I'll hire you. You know, and so, you know what? If I know that my kid's going to have a job at the farmer's market Uh when he turns 13, you better believe I'm going back to that guy over and over. I'm building that relationship. I'm asking him how his kids are. You know, that kind of thing. To, To have that relationship, that's the only time I see him is when I go buy chicken every week. But because I'm there every week. Mm -hmm. It, it's good for both of us. He knows that he's got my business, but I know that if I need chicken, he's my guy. And, and so anyway, it's, it goes back to that getting to know people. Yeah, um, absolutely. They're, they're it, willing to work with you then. Yeah, when you, especially, I mean, you're building that relationship, that emotional relationship. And uh, yeah, they want to help. Can Not I a, add something real quick? Yeah, please. And this is from my own experience, but I think it pertains to most people. Um, don't underestimate the, the resource of your local elderly population in your neighborhood, in your churches, wherever. They, the elderly people, at least in my area, have been such a resource for me in sharing their wisdom, their knowledge, the people that they have been going to for years and years and years. And they know some of the best places to go to get specific things and um, even gardening, which maybe we'll get into talking mm-hmm. about those kinds of things. But my neighbor has been a huge resource for helping me through that process of learning how to garden, knowing where to go to get things. So don't just think of building relationships as specific, you know, store owners or people that can provide something for you physically. I think having resources that you can go to for wisdom is just as essential so I just want to put that in there. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, you brought up gardening. Mm-hmm. And and knowing those those locals. So that 
the people you're referring to, they've been gardening there for, for decades. Decades. Yeah. So they're going to know the soil. They're going to know what works, what doesn't work. Uh, I mean, me, I've spent, prior to being in the military, I grew up in Lancaster County. Uh, went away for 10, 11 years, came back at first 11 in, I mean, Lancaster County, and then you know, bounced around a little bit. But Lancaster County and the surrounding counties are some of the most fertile, uh, unirrigated land in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So now that I've been pampered living in this area for, for how long, now that I'm going to be moving out to, <laughs> out west, the soil is going to be a little bit different. So just mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that's something that... I'm going to have to get to those local resources so they can that they can tell me and because mm-hmm. it will educate. vary. I yes. mean, gardening. This is something that, like, if you haven't gardened, and you, I really suggest that you do just grow something. It can be in a pot, whatever. If you can't have like a huge garden, try and learn how to provide as much for yourself as you can. The timing that you grow, the the length, how you garden will vary just from county to county. Yeah, it really will. Sometimes even within the county. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's it's called a microclimate mm-hmm. you know do you do you live in a little valley it's going to be different mm-hmm. than your neighbor who's only a mile away maybe uh, so getting to know the people who live where you live uh, is huge mm-hmm. so we've talked a little bit about starting how do you start and again we have hit a little bit about the local resources and gardening but let's let's take a step back why Let's get into the why. Why does it make sense or why is it smart or wise to to buy locally as opposed to, you know, not? Mm-hmm. As it just relying on Walmart or something? Food chain. What do you, you mean? You, you, the food chain, the food that you would normally get from a grocery store is shipped in from sometimes thousands of miles away from other countries. If that food chain's disrupted, which we've experienced a little bit of that during covid you know, mm-hmm. and I and I think even since then, people have kind of gotten a little taste of what that disruption feels like and how it can affect them. Well, to, to that point, as soon as the everyone decided the pandemic hit, when was that? Like March, April of 2020. Then we started seeing big shortages, toilet paper of all things, mm-hmm. as everyone knows, and we can all kind of laugh about that. But then it started to affect a lot of the other food. So now, for the first time, you have major grocery stores that have. A lot of empty shelves. Mm-hmm. Walmarts, a lot of empty shelves. And we have not yet caught up. There are still empty shelves in, in all of those things. Now, things right now, as of today, they're, they're better. But we still haven't caught up to, to where we were. And it's of my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong. I've got as much right to be wrong as the next guy. But it's my opinion that we're not going to catch up. We're that- not. Because if you the system, the way it works now, it wasn't always like this. But... A lot of people, I think, have in their minds, like at Walmart or other places, that, oh, they have this big back room that's stocked with stuff. They get daily shipments. When Uh that shipment runs out, if there's not a new one coming in, they're done. They don't have anything for the shelves. And that goes for grocery stores, most big stores. That's how it works now. They don't have that supply in the back. With me getting into uh, preparedness, survivalist stuff back in the late 90s when I was a kid— the, the saying was, you know, three days. Grocery stores, whatever, they, they got three days. And after three days, then they're out. But that, that it's was not then. even three days yeah, now. It's, it's, in some places, it's you know, three hours. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, they, they don't have that, like you said, that, that surplus. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that astounded me when we were 
preparing um, for our breakout session um, that one of the things we learned was the average food travels 1,500 miles to get to the grocery store. Now, you know, we're you've talked about being in Lancaster County. Uh-huh. And, you know, for us, it seems like it's right out back. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is. It's grown here for, for a lot of that produce. But, you know, your grapes, your bananas, tropical fruits, we're all eating a lot more avocados. You know, those don't grow here. And so when you make that average, how how far are things really traveling? Um, even a lot of meats are raised in the United States, shipped overseas to be processed, and shipped back. Uh-huh. Uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. No. At all. How is that financially? I, I don't understand that. But that's how it's working. And so you have to take that into account, that how far things are moving in order to get get to you um is is another reason to to make sure that your local supply chain is working Mm -hmm. so to add to annie's point and to kind of go on another topic um or reason why to source local is your health and well-being like she just said your food is being shipped in from thousands of miles away or it's being exported to be processed when you shop local, you can talk to the people that are producing your food and you can have a better idea of, are they using pesticides? How is it processed? And so you can make um, more informed decisions about the food you're actually eating. Yeah. So that would be another reason. A third one. Yeah, please. That's, that's what we want. We want reasons. <laughs> um, it contributes to your local economy. You know, you, you want to help your local economy as much as possible so the more you shop local you're helping those small family um, stores like brewbakers you're helping your neighbors out and you're keeping it in your area so you can grow and there's a carnes they're a local grocery store i'm not sure how many uh, actual stores they have maybe 10 15 somewhere around there i don't think they have more than that but but whatever they're local and i was really impressed earlier this year uh, they announced that basically they're sick and tired of the traditional uh, supply chain and where they would get their meat and, and how they, they wanted more control to prevent the breakdown, which you know, they were struggling with. So they went to local farms all around these, these surrounding counties and they made deals with locally grown beef and poultry. So now that's where they're going to, to get their meat to, to keep that local. So they ha- really have cool. a, you know, a, a steady supply. And then, yes, and what is it doing? It's helping that local economy, helping that, that family farm. Mm-hmm. Or the business grow. Yeah. So they can provide more for you. Exactly. Yep. What are some other advantages? Uh, just going back to the health and nutrition, when something has to travel so far to get to you, it has to be picked before it's ripe. Um, so you're you're losing flavor. You're losing nutrition. It's not fully developed. The flavor is never going to get better uh if it's picked ripe i mean it'll develop some but it's not going to be like when you walk out to your you know we all we've all had a good tomato Uh you know in the summer versus you know just if you uh, haven't you're missing out go (laughs) get a fresh tomato (laughs) Uh, you know versus one that's um picked in the winter it's grown in aquaponics those are all great things they're wonderful i'm i'm glad that there's tomatoes available in the winter but it does not taste the same 
as a fresh, ripe summer tomato grown in soil. And so you're losing flavor, you're losing nutrition the farther it has to travel. That's one of the other big, big reasons. I know. I, I did my own test uh, with, with chickens when we first got our chickens a couple years ago. I waited till we, we got our first nice collection of eggs, and then I made myself, here's some scrambled eggs from store-bought, here's some scrambled eggs from the ones from the backyard, and the color difference just, I was just going to say the yolks alone. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I was amazed. I'm like, did I put some yellow dye in, 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 in the fresh ones? But the taste, the taste wasn't even remotely close. It really was bland compared to just full, rich flavor of, of those eggs. That's, yeah, I, it won me over right there. That's another, um, I think, reason to garden as well. Yeah. Try, if you can garden, everyone can grow something. And I'll, I'll probably say that a million times mm-hmm. throughout this podcast, but grow, grow something and start now because there really is a learning curve to it. I think back to a grandpa and my grandpa had this massive garden. He had apple trees, he had pear trees and peach trees, peach trees, cherry trees. And as a kid, I mean, our main job was picking potato beetles. Mm-hmm. I remember just picking bags of potato beetles. But when I look back and I think of that garden, he was a master gardener. The way he managed that every year, I mean, it was beautiful. And I didn't, of course, when you're younger, you don't recognize everything that went into that. But now that I'm trying to garden myself, I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back yeah. and ask him these tips or ask him, you know, and appreciate what he did. But even though, you know, I don't want to discourage you, but there is a learning curve. Anyone can garden, anyone can grow things. But if you truly want to be able to, provide for yourself with that garden you really need to start small and just start now and keep trial and error just you know i'm still in that process every summer i'm trying something new this year i'm I'm really trying to do fall crops which is you know i've tried a little bit but um i'm really trying i'm learning and um and i've been gardening for years now and i still feel like a newbie but i never regret the work that I put into it. It's very satisfying gardening. I think too, and and maybe this is the homeschool mom coming out, but involve your kids in oh, it. Oh yeah. That that's huge that they get their hands in the dirt with you when you're gardening because you're passing on that skill also mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're not that that they don't get to adulthood and go, I mean my mom had a garden every year, but like I don't know what I'm grandpa. doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, do you guys ever watch the HBO uh, miniseries John Adams? No, no. I, I think I've seen a few. Episodes okay, so one one that really I thought they did a pretty good job, and one that really impressed me is here's John Adams, one of the foremost lawyers in in all of the colonies. Very uh, you know intellectually distinguished, and there's a scene with him with his son, who's real small at the time, John Quincy Adams. Mm-hmm. And he's just in the manure. And he's like, feel that. You feel you, 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 you feel the warmth. That's how you know it's good. And he's just like kneading it. Like, get, get your hands in there. You know, like, and the point he was, was you know, teaching is, yes, all these accomplishments and, and everything he would go on to do. But still, it was more important that we need to take care of the land. We need to farm. And you, my son, you need to learn how to, to mm-hmm. be a part of the land and, and take care of it. So get your hands in there. Just, just nod that. Just, just need, I can't even say the word. <laughs> need that uh, uh, manure. Anyways, it's just a funny scene. But 
but one that, that to your point, is I very true. I compost so I can appreciate that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I get excited about my compost. <laughs> exactly. It's on my list of things to start. <laughs> um, along with gardening, and, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but um, canning, preserving that garden. Um, where we live in Pennsylvania is wonderful, wonderful resource. In other words, there's wonderful resources. There are people that are willing to help you learn how to can. So that's another thing I think I would look into. Um, and that I think goes along with sourcing local is getting that kind of wisdom and information from other people on canning and preserving Mm -hmm. their food or your food. You know, so that, we're starting to talk about a lot of, of, of different aspects. It, it does. It branches I, out it, it really a lot. Does. And so the point of this, what we want to talk about, of course, is, is buying locally mm-hmm. and the advantages and how to do it. But that, as we've been talking, that cascades into so many other things to being self-reliant. And that's, I can't emphasize that enough. You need to be self-reliant. We're going to be, no, actually you can, by the time this podcast comes out, you can see an article that, that we put up on, on the website. Um, talking about those who who don't think this way there there is this mindset that well i've got guns and it's my right to to survive so i'm gonna be a marauder i'm gonna be a pirate i'm gonna go out and i'm just gonna take what, what i need and that's just so absolutely 100 percent wrong there's no need to to do that there's no need you have the time now we have the uh the seven years of plenty now that we can you can start to prepare and none of us are going to be fully prepared but i think part of the the whole uh gist of of, of what i want to emphasize is is start you need to start and as my my sister's talking about gardening if you've never gardened you've got plenty of time go buy a go buy a couple of pots get some soil plant some herbs do do something you you need to to start and then just keep growing and building and building and building how long have you been gardening uh, five or six years. Okay. Um, I have a small garden. We have a small yard. We're in the suburbs. We don't have a lot of space, but you know, I, and it's all shade. My whole yard is shade. <laughs> so I took the one strip uh-huh. that, of sunlight that I was guaranteed. And so I have this long, narrow garden bed and you know, some years this year, my tomatoes did awful, but most years I call it a tomato jungle. You know, they're uh-huh. just everywhere. That's interesting because um, ours, my neighbors and uh, my tomatoes didn't do that great this year either. They, huh. they just never grew. I think it was grew. the rain. They yeah. just never grew. Um, but my kale did great. My peppers did great. You mm-hmm. know, it's every year something, you know, and I joke I'm the only person I know that can't grow cucumbers. I don't understand it. <laughs> like my neighbor's like, do you want cucumbers? I got 13 this week. And I'm like, I got a dead plant. I, you know, I just, um, but you know, that goes back to relationships also uh-huh, that, uh-huh. you know, my neighbor's like, Hey, I have, I have 13 cucumbers. You want some? And I'm like, great. I have more kale than I know what to do with. We'll trade, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so I do have a small garden, but some, some years, some things do well mm-hmm. and some years they don't. And figuring, the, figuring all of that out is, it's always an adventure. One year, Abby tried, and she tried, not me, because I was too busy doing army. <laughs> uh, she uh, got some bales of hay and stacked them next to the uh, to the house, and then I forget what she put in it, some uh, nitrates or something, and then she planted in the bales of hay um, 
I've seen that. Tomatoes. Um, and talk about producing some I mean, big, big yeah. plants, big tomatoes. So she, she uh, harvested all of them. And then I'd never seen this before, but they went and they produced a second time. So then she got like a second harvest off these tomatoes before, you know, then the, the plants started to die after that. But that was. That's funny because we have this one tomato plant that was a, it did great. It's still doing great right now. And it grew on the side of the barn. So it's something that I must have thrown over there and uh-huh. it just grew on its own this year. So now I was actually, I'm thinking, oh, I should maybe plant tomatoes along the barn and free up. So I might do go. that next year, but. We call those volunteers. Yeah. It was like, ooh. <laughs> it's plants that come nice. up that you didn't plant. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are some, some of the local resources? So we know we've talked a, a little bit about starting with the farmer's market, but mm-hmm. through your research, what were some of the, the best routes not say best isn't the right word. What are some of the, the different routes or ways to, to buy locally? Annie can probably answer this better than me because she did a lot of research on this one. Yeah. I Now, Heather did most of the research yeah. on meat, um, and I looked at produce. And so you have a lot of options. The farmer's market, obviously. Um, but then you have what are called CSAs or community-supported agriculture where you uh, you go right to the local farmer and you sign up it's usually like a kind of like a subscription and every week or every other week depending on the season you get a box of whatever they grew that week you usually pay up front um but it's a way to support the farmer immediately up front they have the money um, for seed they know they have a market for their product and you get whatever was picked that week, it doesn't get a whole lot fresher than that, yeah. you know? And so, um, that's a really neat way to, to get some local, um, your farm stands, you know, depending on where you live, we're lucky that they're everywhere here. Um, but you know, anytime you go anywhere, it feels like in the spring and summer, you're seeing some, some guy has a stand set up at the end of his driveway. Um, or, or a cooler with a sign that says eggs, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Um, those are great. Um, there are produce auctions, uh, which are, I, I know, it. <laughs> you see your face. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an auction for produce. It's exactly what it sounds like. And farmers take their stuff. And so this is where restaurants that do farm-to-table kind of stuff okay. go. Um, all kinds of restaurants, wholesalers. But anyone can go to a produce auction. And when I was doing my research, they're all over the country. Um, Lancaster County has like four. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you just search for produce auction, the first ones that come up are out in the Midwest. They're huge. Um, and you go, you buy a box. Now, you have to be prepared for a wholesale quantity. You know, you're buying banana boxed sized uh, lots of things or a flat of so it's berries. great to go in with other families as well yes or or if you know how to preserve it if mm-hmm. you're gonna can or ferment or whatever that is going to look like even to freeze you need to be prepared for that but that's another great way and usually you can get um, pretty pretty good prices that way um, but they're also very local there's you're still looking at that 100 miles um, kind of a thing so those are the big ones. You pick farms, which are kind of fun with kids. So it's a farm or an orchard, and you you go. Um, the one that I usually do, you take your own container. Sometimes they'll have containers there. They weigh your container 
they put a little sticker with the weight on it, and you go out to the field. So before and after. Yeah. Yeah. You pick, you fill your container, and then you take it back, and they weigh it again, and you pay per pound. Um, But so that's another neat way. And it, if you're somewhere where you can't have a big garden, but you want your kids especially to have that experience Mm -hmm. of what it's like to actually do the work of harvesting the food that they're eating, um, that's a neat way to get that done too. And fall is a great time for that. Yes. Apples, peaches, all those lovely, and pumpkins. Do, do yeah. you remember picking up all those uh, apples as a kid? You know, this, it's kind of kind of soft, kind of rotten, but not too rotten. And then... Making apple cider? Making apple cider, yeah. yeah. Watching it go through the press with uh-huh. worms and bees uh-huh. in there. And oh, yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, it was. And then sometimes <laughs> thrown in the... Uh, the um, Pears, yeah, yeah, and mixing mm-hmm. that a little bit. So the pear juice with with the apples mm-hmm. for apple cider, yeah, that was good, good yeah. times. Yeah. Oh, now I want apple cider <laughs> <laughs> soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yeah. are some other resources? I mean, gardening and homesteading, which we've kind of talked okay. about yeah. plenty. So those are the big ones for for produce um, and and that kind of stuff. Okay, meat, meat is a little bit different. There's a lot of information with meat. So it, if you haven't, you know, I, you probably have all heard that you can, you know, buy half a cow, buy a quarter of a cow, buy a cow or a pig, things yeah. like that. If you haven't done it, it can feel a little overwhelming at first. And even though I have done it, it's very, it, there's a lot of details to try and explain without just reading it from paper, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't want to confuse anyone by trying to get into all the details, but um, you can... Talk to someone, though. You know, look up local farms that sell beef, pigs, um, any kind of meat, and I'm and go with someone that you're comfortable with. So even though you might be starting out, hopefully that person can answer your questions and can help you out. And if they do, then they're probably a really good resource to um, buy from. If you go to someone and you feel like they dismiss you or you're not comfortable, look for someone else. That would be my biggest suggestion. Just research and ask questions and asking around too, letting people know like hey you know have you ever bought a half a cow like what is what goes into that do you know somebody who has and and just uh you know let people know that you're thinking about it or and then when they hear about something they'll tell you you know because because it's not common at this point you know i don't know a whole lot of people outside of a specific circle that have done the, oh, I bought a half a cow thing. Um, and so it sticks in people's minds that you want to buy a what? Yeah. You know, and so anyway, that's a, another another thing to do. Um, so we have bought a half a cow. Um, we actually, we bought a quarter and then bought another quarter and then moved to a half. Okay. Now we're also a three-generation household. My my parents, we live with my parents and the kids and not my husband and I. And so that's part of it. Um, so we're a lot of people in our house. So a half a cow makes sense. Half a cow is a lot of meat. Um, we, we know a guy. And so they, my, my mom just said to his wife one day, like, Hey, listen, next time, next time you have a cow that you're ready to sell, we'd like to buy some. And she was like, great. And they, they called us when they were ready. Um, and they dropped off a, a cut list um, so we could select what kinds of cuts we wanted so we could get more ground beef or specific roasts if there uh-huh. are specific cuts 
And then they take that to the butcher with the cow. Um, and then you go and pick it up in a couple of months when, or a couple of weeks when it's done. Um, so it was for us because we knew the farmer, it was a very simple process to say, hey, next time you do this, we'd like in. Um, and it, it's great. You know, we, my parents went last time and picked it up from the butcher and uh, you just take a couple of coolers with you and they help you load it into your coolers and off you go. So uh, I do have friends who once bought a half a cow and all their ground meat came to them in like a five gallon bucket. They had to divide it oh, into see, that's themselves. That's why it's important to ask questions. And so you have to make sure you know what you're getting. Um, ours one, on our cut list, it says, do you want it in one pound or two pound packs? Yeah. And so... That's that's nice too to to have those kind of how big do you want it packaged yeah. or you know so I know we uh, we get the big ten pound tubes yeah. tubes of meat from uh, <laughs> from Sam's Club the, uh, the the lean stuff so knowing what we're doing all Abby does or I guess we do she divides it up basically one pound sections and then put it in a um, a gallon Ziploc bag and then smash it flat, flat. So mm-hmm. it's really yes. thin and easy to, 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 um, what do you call it? Easy to defrost. freeze. And then yeah, easy yeah. to defrost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yep. just, that's pretty convenient. It stacks nicely in the freezer that way mm-hmm. too. Yes, it does. So you said you started with a quarter and then you did it twice and then you went to a half. One thing that I think is a truth when it comes to, to purchasing food, the more you can buy at one time, the, the more bulk, the more money you're, you're going to save. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with buying locally. But that's one thing that, that I know we've done as, as a family is is we like a lot of canned soups. We like the, the Campbell's, or then there's also the Progresso's, uh, the really thick soups. And right now, some of them are going for like $2.50, $3 a can because prices are really you know, through the roof. But still, even now... When we wait and we find it's on sale, you can get them sometimes less than a dollar. So when they go on sale like that, that dramatic, that's not the time to buy one or two cans. That's the time to go in there. I'm going to buy 100 cans. I'm going to buy 150 cans of of this soup. And you're saving so much money. Just as an example, um, once you start buying that way, looking for those deals, looking for those sales and then buying a lot of, you save so much money. So much. Emily, so... uh, well, she spoke about the the cows or the beef, so I, I'll speak to... I mean, it's pretty similar. Um, we just got a pig or split. We had two pigs, and then we split it amongst family members and stuff, and um, it's pretty similar. I think the hardest part, at least for me, is understanding the cuts of meat, how they... You know, the different ways they're willing to process them and figuring out exactly what it is that you will use... And that you would normally buy from the store because sometimes the terms can, you know, vary and you might get a little confused. But again, you should feel comfortable asking whoever is providing that, the butcher, whoever's going to process that. You should feel comfortable asking them questions and feeling like you you know the answers, like they've answered them to where you're comfortable making those decisions. Um, so again, to relationship, making sure that you're comfortable with who ever is butchering because sometimes that you know you could have you can go straight to a butcher and order a cow 
or sometimes it's you're going to two people you're going to someone that's raising the animal and then you're working through the butcher so that can vary as well but i think that's the hardest part is just figuring out the cuts because it can seem a little pricey especially with beef but when you're thinking about the cuts of meat like the price you know if you're buying steaks if you're even at costco you're going to get those like really nice steaks the amount of money you're spending on those versus how much you're spending if you purchase your own cow there's a huge difference so yeah i think one of the things that uh surprised me in a good way when we did the breakout session was how interactive it was you know we mm-hmm. had a lot of participation and a lot of back and forth with people who have obviously thought about this and done this a lot of people had thoughts on gardening but one of the things that i thought was really interesting was several people in in different sessions said that their relationship is with the butcher and not with the farmer mm-hmm. that they just you know farmers are always bringing animals in for butchering and so if you know the butcher and say next time somebody brings one in i want a half Uh but you know that that their relationship was through the butcher and not through the farmer and that that's another way that that they were sure that they had a source that was a local source but they didn't have to know uh you know a farmer of of steer and Mm -hmm. a guy who raised pigs and a guy they knew the butcher. Yeah. And so they could get whatever they needed. And that was another interesting thing that I hadn't, I just hadn't thought about it in, in those terms. You know, I knew the farmer, so that's the route we went. It hadn't occurred to me that you could know the butcher and go that way. So that was just a cool, and just another thing for people to think about. Maybe you know the butcher. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, one of the, uh, historically, one of the things that our, our country's done is during the Great Depression, as an example, where there were so many people who were, were hungry, so many people that were, that were, were starving, the government was paying subsidies to uh, farmers to, to burn their crops, to destroy the crops, to try to, in that way, artificially raise the price. And our government is encouraging right now uh, a lot of farmers to, to do the same thing, to, to destroy the crops or to not plant and give them subsidies to try to encourage them not to, which just is, is insane with the way it appears our world's going to be going into, you know, this fall, this winter, and into next year with there's going to be shortages all over the globe uh, with you know, wheat as, as an example, as well as, as other shortages. So getting to know those local individuals that, that butcher or those farmers can, can really pay off in the end. Uh, we've made it a point to know our Amish neighbors um, because there's a ready resource for raw milk as well as, as, as other things. So if the time comes when they no longer have a market because of government overreach or bureaucracy or whatever, at least now they know that, well, we still have to milk our cows, either slaughter our cows or we have to milk them because they, you know, they have to, then we're now a resource for them where they can, they know they can get rid of some of their milk. It's, you know, just working on that, that small scale, getting and building those relationships is really going to pay off when you know, in the future. It's already paying off now, but it'll, it'll pay off more in the future and it's, it will be a symbiotic relationship. Those farmers won't be able to survive or subsist, or subsist um, with, without us helping them, without us being there for them, and, you know, and vice versa. It's just, socialism is just insane. Yeah. You, uh, you brought up raw milk. Um, 
we're we're lucky that we can buy raw milk. There are states where you cannot; it is illegal yeah. to buy mm-hmm. raw milk, and there are some workarounds for that that I have seen. Um, and and a herd share is one of those where you buy a quarter of a cow. Oh no way! But it's on the hoof. It's still living cow that is milked, but you own it. And so you own it, so you may drink the raw milk from your cow. The government cannot, it. even the state government cannot come That's in and brilliant. say, you can't, you can't drink that. Well, it's my animal. I can do whatever I want. It's not sold. You own the cow. And so, you know, sometimes we have to get creative. And there are people who have been very creative. Um, and so... It's called herd sharing, and you can own a part of the herd, <laughs> and therefore you are allowed to drink the raw milk. You are allowed to, to obtain it in that way. So, you know, maybe we're going to have to get more creative mm-hmm. on some of these things, but a co-op, a herd share, those kinds of things are, are possibilities, and there are people still doing them. Yeah. I think it's important to even, let's say you have no interest in drinking raw milk. I think it's so important to support in some way, shape, or form, people like that, though, even if, you know, raw milk isn't important to you, um, I think we should be supporting people that are creative. Yes. Well, one of the things that really really got us as a family to switch from what I would just say food storage, so we have goods and stuff, and getting more into production and being more self-sufficient is, you know, I, I like my cheese. And if the bubble were to go up today... Where am I going to get my cheese? So we started like, how do you make simple cheeses? How do you mm-hmm. make complex cheeses? So then, you know, now we need that raw milk or our goat's milk to make some specific cheeses. Why did we get into beekeeping? Well, at first, we just bought honey. Well, that's good. That's simple and easy. But then when one of our sons started to be affected by local allergies and we did research, oh, that's a way to inoculate someone from the local pollen from the local seasonal a- from those mm-hmm. seasonal allergies is by feeding them honey made from from that local pollen. And so then from that now you know we got into beekeeping and just slowly over time becoming more and more you know self-sufficient. Just just makes sense. I have another example of that. One of the things that I've done that opened my eyes was um Look at a simple, not not necessarily simple, but look at a bread recipe. If you were to make homemade whole wheat bread from scratch, look at all the ingredients that go into just making that one loaf of bread and then ask yourself, do I have what I need? You know, or it could be like the cheese, whatever it is that's important to your family. Just look at that recipe, look at and break it down. If you had to do that completely from scratch, what do you need? And can you provide that? Yeast was one of the fastest things to go in uh, at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find yeast at Walmart, at grocery stores, mm-hmm. Sam's Club, any of those places for months. Yeah. Uh, so, Do you know how to make sourdough yeah, starter? Exactly. If you don't, I mean, just have the recipe on you at least so you have some, you know. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, we, we ran into that a little bit. We didn't run out of yeast, uh-huh. but, you know, we, we did a bulk buy just for our own home of flour. Just bought bulk flour. And it was like, well, what happens? Okay, I have all this flour, but what happens if I run out of yeast? Uh-huh. Like, how do I turn this <laughs> into bread? And, you know, it's it's a simple internet search at this point. Like, we live in such an amazing time that, okay, um, how, how do I make bread without yeast is just an internet search away. 
and you've got eight recipes, mm-hmm. eight ideas, you know, and to just have those tucked away, but think about it now before you need it. Yes. Uh, and, you know, while while those resources are available, um, figure it out. So those Yeah, are and some it, it doesn't to... have to be stressful. I mean, just no. preparing for things like that, it should be exciting and it should make you feel good. It shouldn't be this big stressful part of your life of, because none of us are ever going to be fully prepared no. for every single situation. There's just no possible way, but start where you can. So st- let's talk about yeast. So we're fine. <laughs> the look on your face, I'm scared where this oh, is no, going. No, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just fine. We, we have plenty stored in a manner that we're going to be fine for, for decades. Mm-hmm. We have that much. But I was so, and again, this is just me being me, the, the little kid in me. Um, after everything started coming back, I think it's, I think it's Walmart. But they sell, like, you can buy small little, like, envelope packets, right? Mm-hmm. So I went in one day, and I took, then they're, like, in, in a case. I bought, like, three cases. And, again, I, I bought them all, right, all these cases, those little packets, and I was just all excited. Well, because now next time this happens, and now a family needs it, here's three packs. And I just, like, got it that way so I know I, I, I can hand it out to those people who who need. I don't know. They, I'm just a No, that'd be like a good that. gift, like a bread-making yeah. kit. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. you need to make a loaf of bread. Awesome. I I get so excited about this topic because it is so, all this stuff is so, so essential. Obviously, I love the firearms. I love shooting. I love training. I love helping people be be prepared um, and shoot. As you listeners, you know, we experienced a home, uh, home invasion where Abby had to use the shotgun to defend herself and the kids. So this is very real. But... I'm almost more giddy when it comes to this food preparation and encouraging people to to be prepared, to be self-sufficient, because the, the reality is going to be they're not going to be able to eat those bullets. You're not going to be able to, to make a meal out of that Glock. Uh, but if you're prepared, if you have those relationships, if you have some stuff already put away, if you know how to grow your own food, uh, if, if, if you have created your own personal uh you know supply chain supply network things are going to be a heck of a lot easier for you and you're going to be able to not only get by but then you'll be able to have the luxury of being able to to help and be a, a you know a, a hand to, to other people who who aren't that's an important part for me i'm i'm always have or i always have that in the back of my head to prepare to the point where not only can i help my family but can i help the people around me can i you know because the thought of not being able to help people just it makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Not just my, you know, my family obviously comes first, but that is a huge, huge part of it for me as well. Yeah, we've already been dancing around it, talking about buying locally and building those relationships. But I think it's very wise to start building, you know, your own personal group, whether it's your family, your friends, members of your church or your congregation, the club that you belong to, whatever, and and finding those people who are somewhat like-minded, but they need to be different as well. You don't want everyone to have the exact same thing, the exact same hobbies, the exact same experience. You need that diversity. So those relationships are already there so that they can help when, when things are, are I have a funny example of that Please. kind of for me. I love sharing this story just because it makes me happy. But when I moved to where we currently are now um, and we went to put in our garden – 
the ground was extremely rocky and it was very, very frustrating. We had to dig out um, a lot of rocks. And so our car mechanic, the man that owns the shop, was driving by. And so my neighbor stopped him. I mean, we, we had knew him, but not we didn't have this relationship that we have now with him. But he was driving by, so my neighbor came out and mentioned, you know, we were struggling. And so next thing I know, about 10 minutes later, he comes back in his tractor with his big tiller on the back into my yard and tills my garden for me with his huge farming tractor. <laughs> so that was the start to, to living where we live now, getting to know my neighbors. But yes, our car mechanic is also the farmer that tilled my garden up. And it's, I, I love that. But that's what it's about. It's about opening yourself up to getting to know people and building those relationships. So it's not about everyone being exactly alike. It's about networking and everyone sharing their strengths. And, you know, we all have weaknesses. So just build relationships with people that you can support each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this, it, it also applies in every area, you know, that, you know, you've you've built that relationship with your car mechanic. You know him. You you have that relationship. You have a relationship with the store owner. You have a relationship. You know that it, the principles of building relationships apply in all the different areas. You know, it's you have you have a car mechanic. You've built a relationship with him. You have a store owner that you've built a relationship with for bulk goods and things like that. That you know all the different areas of your life. You build those relationships you know not not in a way of thinking of how can I use this person or how can this person be helpful to me absolutely it's how can I help this person but building that relationship and making sure you know them yeah when when things go wrong in your life whether it's on a grand scale worldwide or just your life because we all have those times too you know having having food preserved and put away and stored is great if you lose your job. You know, there yes. are, yeah. you know, it, it might only affect your family, but you'll be so glad that you've done it. You'll be so glad that you have those relationships with your neighbors, with the people that you work with, the people that you have to deal with on on a day-to-day. Uh, you know, I just think that the principles of that we've been talking about apply everywhere. One, one thing to think about, uh, is we've talked a lot about buying in bulk, um, and it the thing you need to be sure of is that you know what you're going to do with it. If you've bought a half a cow, do you have enough freezer space? Uh-huh. Heather Heather really hit this uh, in in her talk. Um, you know, there are calculators online for how much freezer space you should have per pound of meat or whatever. Um, but that's something to think about. If you go to a produce auction, you're going to bring home more produce than you can eat in a week or two it will go bad before you get to it all if you haven't thought about how you're going to preserve it is that freezing canning fermenting freeze drying dehydrating yeah you know there are a lot of options but you need to think about it before you bring home 80 pounds of green beans what are you going to do with them Uh, just you know to be thinking about about that longer term storage because you can uh, save, you're buying in bulk. you can save a lot of money buying in bulk, but what what good does it do you if, if, if you're only using yeah, yeah a quarter of it and the rest mm-hmm. yeah, is right? Wasted. Then you haven't actually saved any money. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It reminded me of a, a friend of mine. He's a good hunter, and he had a, his deep freeze was filled with a lot of venison, a lot of meat that, that he'd harvested, 
and then his uh, his freezer went out. And he's a good outdoorsman, good good woodsman. He knows how to smoke meat. So, unfortunately, he was so ticked off that it had happened and that he just didn't want to deal with it. So no. he, he let all that, that oh. meat go to waste. And then uh, when he told me about it, it was too late then. I'm like, why didn't you smoke it? I could have come over and helped you. You got plenty of space in your yard. We could have done the fires. We could have, you know. And then as soon as I said that, like, Don, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have done that. And then he even felt worse because, <laughs> yeah, he, he lost the freezer. But I, because he didn't think, he, he lost all that meat. So that's a very good point. Well, I was going to, that leads me to another point, which is, um, you know, it's one thing to to get all this, you know, like a, the produce auction, getting all this produce and stuff. But you need to figure out a way to rotate this food unless you have a way to store it long term and you know it is long term storage. Make sure that you figure out a way to eat what you're storing, to rotate through it, that you're actually storing things, not just for the sake of storing them, but you'll actually eat them, you know? Yeah, we... That's one of the things we talked about in in our session was, you know, if you're going to grow things, make sure you're growing things that you eat. You know, if mm-hmm. you hate cabbage, don't grow cabbage. Um, making sure, you know, there's no point in having it if you will absolutely not eat it. Yeah. Then then you haven't saved yourself any time or money or it's all all wasted uh, wasted energy. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, making sure you're you're only buying things it's not a good deal if you won't use it <laughs> yeah it's not a one size fits all it's very personalized to you to your um, financial situation your family size your location all these things will have to alter or change a little bit depending on you yeah so. and the other thing is okay great you love green beans you bought 80 pounds do you eat frozen green beans do you eat canned green beans because they're very you? different they are different <laughs> um but also how quickly because it it preserves them, freezing them preserves them, canning them preserves them. But over time, they'll lose nutritional value. Yeah. You won't, they won't be bad, but they won't be as good, you know. So even once they're preserved, making sure that you are going to use them in a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. uh, is something to consider. Cool. Well, thank you really appreciate your time and your expertise and sharing all this information before we go is there any last things or or experiences you guys would like to like to share i just want to remind everyone and i think jared i mean i've been you know your classes i think you make it very clear that you have to start somewhere no one should feel dumb no one should feel you know and if you do you're in the wrong place but i think that applies to this as well you have to start somewhere and there's no reason to feel dumb or to feel like you're too insecure to ask people questions or just you have to start. So I would just remind everyone that whether it's gardening, whether it's talking to the produce person or a butcher, just start somewhere. Be willing to be a beginner. Yeah. be will- that, Thank you. That's better said. <laughs> be willing to be a beginner. Thank it's you. Just condense. That's all. My two minute way of saying that. Ah, well. You said it both, you know, both those ways to, to reach different people. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, thank you again. And I can't emphasize enough how important I really feel that, that this subject and this thing is. And it's it's not a once and done quick fix thing. You, you can't no. buy your way 
out of you know out of this problem. This really is a, a lifestyle change. It's like carrying concealed. That's that's a lifestyle change when you do it and when you do it correctly. Uh, sourcing stuff locally, making those relationships, following a, a good pace plan that we talk about in uh, in a lot of our classes. But that primary alternate contingency and emergency of how am I going to get food uh, and and where can I find food? Though having those things beforehand are are important. Well, again, thank you. Thank you. uh, Thank you. This was really fun. We'll talk to you guys next time. Stay safe. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy.